I want you to take your Bibles, if you will, and uh, or your device, whichever one you have, and uh, I want you to um, turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verses 1 to 11. Um, if you are new to the Bible, and you are new to faith, and you're not familiar with it, so here's what you want to do. You've got two options if you're carrying a Bible, your actual Bible is you can go to the table of contents at the beginning and you can look up 1 Corinthians, which is in the New Testament, or you can just go about two-thirds through your Bible and you'll come to uh, the New Testament and you'll come to Matthew, then Mark's Gospel, then Luke, then John. You'll come to the book of Acts, Romans, and the very next one will be 1 Corinthians, and that's chapter 12. And we have been doing a series on unwrapping spiritual gifts and getting a handle on that and uh, so we are going to be looking at our final installment of that series this morning. And uh, so if you will stand, and I'm going to read the pink, and uh, you're going to read the white, and this is what it says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of ser- varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Well done. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We praise you and thank you again for your love for us demonstrated in Jesus Christ. And we ask today and thank you for the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we would ask today that again, that you would give us ears to hear, minds to comprehend, hearts to understand. And as we leave this place, As we go out into our homes and our neighborhoods and our places of work and education and recreation and where we buy and get our services, that you would help us to live out in tangible, physical, meaningful ways what it means to be Christ followers in the city of Sudbury and the surrounding area. And this we pray in Christ's name and for his name's sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now, For those of you that weren't here last week, this is kind of part two of what I started last week. I didn't finish. And so I'm going to sort of start with a bit of a review. And one of the things that we talked about last week is that, by definition, a spiritual gift is a natural, supernatural ability. That a spiritual gift enables a believer to perform a function in the body of Christ, that which we could not do otherwise or as effectively without the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Now, two things I want to keep, keep in mind just as a reminder is, first of all, that spiritual gifts are spiritual in origin. They are given and they are empowered by the Holy Spirit and they are spiritual in essence. 
that they are not like our natural gifts, but rather they are gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three categories of gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we talked about this as well. First of all, there are those that are resident in the church. These are gifts of equippers and people who minister. And Ephesians tells us for the equipping of the body of Christ. These are apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher. And these are in Ephesians. And the second group are gifts that are resident in the Holy Spirit. Sorry, resident in the individual. And these are in Romans chapter 12. And they are gifts like prophecy, service, teaching, exhorting, or encouraging, giving, <coughs> excuse me, leading, or governance, if you will, and showing mercy. Now, these, both the first group, those that are resident in the church, these are used at the will of the individual, of, of me and you, whoever those uh, people are, because they are resident in the church. There are, every, in every church, there are these gifts of being a prophet, an apostle, or an evangelist, or pastor, teacher. And I am convinced, personally, that every single local church, Glad Tidings included, has these five or four gifts, whichever way. Uh, there's some talk about whether pastor, teacher is one gift or two gifts, and we're not going to get into that. But the second group as well, the gifts that are resident in the individual, they are used, of course, according to the will of the individual. That each person in this room, that every one of us that are Christ followers, just as when we were born naturally of our mothers, we had natural gifts that are part of our personality and our makeup. When we are reborn by the Spirit of God, when we are born again, the Spirit of God gives us spiritual gifts and every single person who is a Christ follower has at least one gift of the Spirit. You and me. Now, where we focused on last week were gifts that are resident in the Holy Spirit. Now, these are gifts that reside in God, and they are not used at the will of the individual. They are used at the will of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit chooses where and when these gifts are going to be used in the church. And all that we do as Christians is we say yes. We make ourselves available or susceptible. So, for example, Philomene gave a, a message in tongues this morning. She doesn't have, in the sense, the, the gift of tongues as is talked about here in 1 Corinthians, and I'll explain that later. Um, she is saying, yes, I am available to the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then our sister down here gave the interpretation. Now, she doesn't have the gift of interpretation. She is just allowing the Holy Spirit to use her and making herself available so that she can translate into English what has been spoken in the message of tongues. And by the way, if that freaked you out a bit, I do apologize. Well, not really. Um, because it is what it is. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe the gifts are for today, and we believe that God is a speaking God, and he speaks today. And when the people of God gather together, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation as the Holy Spirit chooses and wills. And this morning, the Holy Spirit chose and willed that there be a message in tongues and that there would be an interpretation, because we believe that God is a speaking God. And so, 
We want to focus our attention again this morning on the verse in, in our text, that verse 7, that says this, that to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit to the common good, for the common good, rather. And so understand that each and every one of us can be used of the gifts of the nine gifts that are talked about in our text, and we'll outline those in just a moment. Now, I'm going to say this, that... Any person, any Christian, can use eight of the nine gifts of the Spirit. You do not necessarily have to experience what we call the Acts 2 experience, the Pentecostal experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues to operate eight of the nine gifts. Matter of fact, we know that from the Old Testament, these eight gifts were also used in the Old Testament sporadically. In order to use the one gift, speaking in tongues, you must have experienced the Acts 2 experience, the Pentecostal experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking with other tongues. And I'll talk about that some other time because there's a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of confusion about the work and ministry of the Spirit. So under these, what I call the magnificent manifestations, they are divided into three groups. And we talked about them last week, but I want to make a couple of observations. First of all, uh, under what we call the revelation gifts, there are three. There is the word of knowledge, there is wisdom, or the word or the utterance of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. Now, let me talk to you about knowledge for a moment. I had somebody come to me from our congregation uh, last Sunday after the service, and they had reminded me of a story they told me. About they were in prayer one day, <coughs> and there had been a, a thing that went on in their lives a number of a couple of decades ago, and um, they came they came to me and they told me that one day when they were praying recently that the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, "You have not gotten over what took place two decades ago, and you still have bitterness in your heart over it." That is a word of knowledge that came to that person. And on top of that, then, the Holy Spirit in prayer said to her that this is how you can actually go about resolving this issue of bitterness. So what we have there is we have the utterance of the word of knowledge to a person privately, and we also have the word of wisdom of how to apply the word of knowledge. Now, let me just talk to you for a second about discerning of spirits and just make a correction. I said last week, that there are only three spirits. There is God's spirit, there is the human spirit, and there, there is the satanic spirits, demonic spirits. And somebody came to me after with a really good question and said, Pastor Todd, you only talked about three spirits, but aren't angel spirits? And of course we know that Hebrews actually tells us, Hebrews um, chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent to help those who are Christ's followers. And they said, well, if angels are spirits, then why aren't there four, four categories? Well, there are, and I guess there are other categories, but generally, we say that there is the Spirit of God, there's the Spirit of the human spirit and demonic spirits, so we say that angels who do the work of God sort of fit in with the category of God, just as demonic fallen angels do Satan's bidding and they fit into the category of demonic spirits. Does that make sense? Okay, just some clarification. 
And then we talked about the fact that there are these, which we call revelation gifts, and then there are the three power gifts. And they are healing, working of miracles, and faith. And these, and I'm not going to get into that because we talked about them last week, and you can listen uh, to the archive on our website to look at that. But then we looked at the vocal gifts, and, and I want to spend a little bit more time here this morning because there's some confusion at times. Um, that first of all, we talked about tongues. Tongues, and then, of course, there is interpretation, and then there is prophecy. Now, uh, when it comes to tongues, we need to understand that there are two kinds of tongues that are used in the, in the New Testament. Not two different kinds of tongues, but two usages of tongues. One is for private use. Uh, I speak in tongues regularly when I pray, sometimes when I worship. And, uh, but this is tongues that is used in private is when I pray to God. There's no need for interpretation. Paul actually says that when I pray in tongues, my mind is unfruitful <clears throat> because I do not understand in, my, in English that I can comprehend it, but my spirit is praying. And so when you pray in tongues, it's the Spirit of God praying through you and praying toward God. Now, that's a whole other thing, and uh, we, we'll talk about that another time. But when it comes to our text, it's talking about the second usage, and that is the public usage of tongues. And any time there is a public usage of tongues, there must be an English interpretation. Or in our context, if you're in a French community, it would be French or Italian, whatever the case may be. But and that's why I said to you this morning, when Philomene gave the message in tongues, I said, now somebody has the interpretation, give it. Because the Bible actually tells us that if we give a message in tongues, that no one should give a message in tongues unless there is an interpreter present. Now what that basically means is this. I'm standing up here and I sense the Spirit of God wants to uh, give a message in tongues and I look around the room and I say, okay, uh, are there any people in the room that I know of that, have, that has interpreted tongues before that's spoken in English? And I identify two or three, so I give my message in tongues. But in a perfect world, if I give a message in tongues and there are no interpreters, I must give the English interpretation. If I do not, I should not be speaking in tongues because all tongues in a public service must be translated or rather, must be interpreted, not translated. It's an interpretation of the thought, not a word-for-word -word translation. Now, at the same time, there is what we call prophecy, and in my opinion, prophecy is tongues, a message in tongues without the interpretation. For example, Philomene this morning could have not spoken in tongues, and her other sister given the interpretation, and that wouldn't have been an interpretation in tongues, that would have been a prophecy. Now, when we talk about prophecy, it's very important to understand that we are not talking about foretelling. It's not a crystal ball that you know the future. It is a foretelling. It is encouragement. It is exhortation that we're supposed to do, that we're supposed to give. So at the end of a message in tongues or at the end an interpretation or at the end of a prophecy, the reality is that we all should be or most of us should be encouraged, we should be inspired, we should be exhorted, we should be edified. If somebody gives a message in tongues, an interpretation or a prophecy, and it's berating, it's not the Spirit of God. 
Let me tell you three things about, about how sort of get a handle around this business of the, the oral gifts, the vocal gifts. Think of mail. There are three kinds of mail. There's private mail. That is my business and my business only. For example, I asked the person who I talked about the word of knowledge, I, I contacted them this week and asked if I could tell that story, and they gave me permission. But what the Spirit of God said to that person is their business and nobody else's. Matter of fact, we know that if you get mail privately, uh, you know that it is not only rude to open somebody else's mail, it's actually illegal. Now, let me give you a marriage tip as we're going along. Uh, one of the things that happens in a lot of marriages is marriages lose their mystique because we just give away the store. Sometimes we need to respect the individuality of our spouse. So one of the things, somebody else taught us this, but one of the things Ruth and I still do not do to this day is that if a piece of mail comes in my name, she doesn't open it. And if a piece of mail comes in her name, I do not open it. Now, if a piece of mail comes in my name and I'll say, oh, just open it and read it, whatever it is, then she'll open it and read it. Okay? Maintaining the individuality and the privacy of ourselves in marriage to, to a, a, a point, to a point, you, we can all carry it too far, is about maintaining some of the mystique in our marriages. Now, so there's mail. There are things that the Holy Spirit says to me that's none of your business. There are things that the Holy Spirit says to you that's none of my business. It's private mail. And then there is what we call public mail. This is a message in tongues like today, an interpretation where it's for everybody. It's, it's for the whole family. It's for the whole body of Christ. And then there's mail, what we call junk mail. How many of you have ever gotten junk mail? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you got junk mail? Me too. Doesn't it drive you crazy? Open up the mailbox the other day, and there were like five pieces of mail, and all of them just junk mail. Well, let me tell you, when we get a message in tongues or we get some prophecy where a person is spouting on and they're degrading the church and they're berating the church and they're beating us down, that's just straight junk mail. That needs to go in the garbage. Because the Bible tells us very clearly that tongues and interpretation and prophecy are for the purpose of encouragement, of, in, in, of exhortation, of inspiration and comfort. All right, we okay? Now, let's get the next week, or this week. So let's talk about the result. And uh, the result really comes down to this. Uh, the, uh, chapter 12, verse 7 says this. To each, notice that word each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, I want you just to pay attention to that statement, for the common good. And uh, this is why I said what I said a moment ago. Now, for the common good means for the shared benefit of the whole community, of the whole church. Now, I want to say some things that may leave you a little bit uncomfortable. So kind of put your seatbelt down. All right? Now... This is particularly for those of you who are not that open to the Holy Spirit and the Pentecostal way because 
you got some issues and they're valid, some of them. Some of the issues are valid. And maybe this is for us that have been around a long time around Pentecost and we're sort of kind of not sure if we want to continue down that path because we have seen the abuses and the misuses of the gifts of the Spirit and the things that are done under the guise of the Holy Spirit. All right? Now, so some people have a lot of uncertainty and a lot of confusion about the work and the role of the Holy Spirit in our own lives as individuals and the role and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church as a whole when we gather together. And because of that, and because of some of the realities around that, there is a reluctance to be open to what God has for us, a reluctance to be open to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so this uncertainty in many ways is really due to the fact that we, that we lack knowledge, that we lack information, that we lack teaching on the role and the work of the Holy Spirit. And some of us have this sort of quasi-mystical understanding of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is some kind of force out there, you know, like the force is with you or whatever, or whatever the case may be, some fuzzy spirit out there. But the Bible tells us very clearly that the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. Now, and so because of all that and other things, we're uncertain about what we should feel. We're uncertain about what we should experience. So, Philomene, I hope I don't embarrass you this morning, but you notice Philomene this morning was very emotive and very excited when she gave the message in tongues. That's okay, because she's a very emotive and excitable person. It's a part of her personality, and the way she gave the message in tongues was true to her personality. It's okay. I once... um, told an illustration about, think of the Holy Spirit. This is probably not going to help my course of conversation, but it might help you. Think of the Holy Spirit as Hydro One. And you got yourself a knife. And I mean a metal knife. Now imagine that you go to the socket in your, your receptacle, your electrical receptacle in your kitchen, and you stick that knife in that receptacle. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. Some of you are going to go, ow! Some of you are going to go, some of you are just going to go, and cry. And some of you are probably going to say things. The Holy Spirit is a profound, powerful force, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. How we respond and react to the Holy Spirit in our lives depends a lot on our personality. So for somebody who is very quiet and very shy, when you experience the Holy Spirit, you're probably going to be very quiet paralyzed, dumbfounded, silent. Other people, in accordance with their personality, when they experience the Holy Spirit, they're going to burst into tears because that's their personality. Other people, they're going to just jump back and scream 
And other people are probably going to run around. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't create those reactions. Those reactions are human. So grab two 220 volts and find out what your personality is. No, don't, do not try this at home. The other thing is, the other thing, and I need to move along because I see I'm running out of time already. And they told me I had to be done at quarter after 11. Um, the other thing is who's in control? Who's in control? Well, the Bible tells us very simply in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, for you can all prophesy, listen to what it says now, you can all prophesy one by one, order, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Now, we know, and I don't have time to get into this, but over the years, I've been in, I grew up in, uh, in, I was born into a Pentecostal church family, and I did all my ministry through the last 32 years, 33 years, whatever it was. I went to a Pentecostal Bible college. There's a lot of quirky things that happen that has happened in the past. And I'm going to say this. There's a lot of embarrassing things that are not... I once heard a preacher say, there's a lot of things said under the guise of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is not. So because of that, because of all the quirkiness at times and all of the embarrassing, silly things that have gone on under the guise of the Spirit, is it any wonder that people are reluctant? The other thing I think we need to think about is fear. And so we sort of swing the pendulum out and we think to ourselves, is God going to do something to me that I don't want him to do? And the answer is no. God will not do anything to you. God only does things for us. Not to us. And you get, you and I, this is the great thing about the sovereignty of humanity. And the sovereignty of God, that God will not do anything to you that you do not want done to you. So I want to relieve that tension. But the other thing about the gifts of the Spirit is that our ego, our pride, gets in the way. Now there are three ways in which people operate the gifts of the Spirit. Some people treat the gifts of the spirits like they're toys. And I'm talking now about particularly about the ones in our text. As some sort of novelty, some sort of preoccupation with the excitement that they can generate. And I want to say this, that the gifts of the spirit should not end in excitement, they should end in transformation. Other people treat them like trophies. That somehow that if you use the gift of the Spirit or you operate in a gift of the Spirit, that somehow this is sort of a sign of spirituality. That this is a sign of super spirituality, of maturity and holiness. It is and it isn't. The usage of the gift of the Spirit is not to show that I am some sort of mature, holy, super spiritual person. It only shows that I am available. It is not a statement about my character except that I am available. But the truth is that if we're going to use the gifts of the Spirit, they must be used as tools. Not toys, not trophies, they are tools. Now, they are what is referred to as the gifts of grace. Now, we know that everything God gives us is because of grace. 
Everything we receive from God is because of grace, and everything we do for God is because of grace. And that's why the spiritual gifts are called the charismata. It's where the, the word charis is where we get the word, or charis is where we get the word grace. The charismata are the gifts of grace, and grace reminds us of the nature of the spiritual gifts. They are unearned, they are undeserved, and they are unchosen. They are not like our natural gifts. <clears throat> the spiritual gifts are manifestations of the Spirit. The, sp the spiritual gifts come from God and are placed in us or on us by the Holy Spirit so that we can deliver grace to people. What we fundamentally are as Christians is we are delivery persons. We deliver grace. We are purveyors of grace. We are conduits of grace. We are couriers of grace. We deliver grace to one another and we deliver grace to other people. And the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts, help us to distribute God's grace to one another. And to deliver God's grace to others. And so in Christ's name, <clears throat> in Christ's name, spiritual gifts allow us to give away God's grace. But at the same time, they are also gifts of power. Now, what I mean by that is this. We're not talking about just any power, and this goes back to my Hydro One illustration. They are the power of God. And the spiritual gifts, while they are gifts of grace, at the same time, they are also designed for the purpose of displaying and demonstrating God's power. Matter of fact, the spiritual gifts in our text are often referred to as the power ministries of the Holy Spirit. That spiritual gifts are the outworking of God's power through us and in us. But you and I both know that power is problematic, right? Power is problematic. Because we know that nuclear energy is a, nuclear technology is a gift in medicine. But it's a nightmare in war. Fire is an incredible gift when we're cold and when we're wet. But it is a nightmare when it is out of control. And so spiritual gifts can lead to different realities. Spiritual gifts can make us arrogant, or they can make us humble. Spiritual gifts can give us a, a feeling of superiority, or they can give us a sense of servanthood. Spiritual gifts can create a spirit of competition, but they can also create a spirit of cooperation. And spiritual gifts can be divisive, but they also can be unifying. And that was the problem in the Corinthian church. Now, there are 17 Christian congregations in the first century. And some we know more about than others, but of all of them, the congregation in Corinth is the best known. Now, it's not the best. Philippi was the best. And it's not the biggest. Ephesus was probably that. 
And it's not the most strategic. Antioch, the congregation in Antioch was that. And it's not the most influential. Jerusalem, the congregation, the church in Jerusalem was probably that. But the congregation in Corinth was the earthiest. And there seems to be more going on in Corinth in that church than anywhere else. And there's a mixture of sin, of grace, and emotion. On the one hand, everything that could go right in a congregation went right there. Forgiveness, reconciliation, extravagant generosity, a determination to live out their lives in the life of the Spirit as individuals and a, co and a congregation. But at the same time, and on the other hand, Everything that could go wrong in a congregation went wrong. Arguments and factions and spiritual sexual improprieties and discrimination and rudeness and stupidity and snobbishness. And somebody once said that a church in motion is a church susceptible to excessive emotion and some commotion. And this is why this is why the two greatest chapters that talk about the gifts of the Spirit and their execution are bracketed between 1 Corinthians 13, which is the Bible's chapter on love. It is not accidental, it's intentional. It's why... At the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which begins to tell us about how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit publicly, it says these words. <coughs> Excuse me. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It's what I call the charismatic restraint. Love. As I said, it's intentional and not accidental that the list of the gifts and the working of the gifts sandwiched between chapters 12 and 14 is chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, a chapter on love. It's there strategically, purposefully. But if you'll also notice at the end of the list of the gifts in Romans 12, which are resident in each of us, in the individual, it says this, let love be genuine, Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another, outdo one another in showing honor. And then at the end of the teaching on the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, this is what the Bible says. That there may be no division in the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. Now here's my point. We need each other. We need all the gifts to be used and utilized at Glad Tidings Church. And you need each other. And I need you. And you need me. And every believer has spiritual gifts, at least one, that's designed to bless and benefit the other. And our text says in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The bottom line is this. Spiritual gifts are about God's grace, power, and love, and ours. 
The spiritual gifts accomplish little if not empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. They are meaningless if they are not used to parcel out God's grace to each other. And further, they amount to nothing if they're not rooted and exercised, operated in love. But when God's grace, power, and love are present, the spiritual gifts are truly spirituals. They are the charismata, just as God intended. And remember this. Every spiritual gift is essential for life together at Glad Tidings Church. I want you to stand. And I want you to hear this text again. <clears throat> Paul says, verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God, and here it is, who empowers them all in everyone. And verse 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Let me read it again, the last line. Who apportions to each one of us individually as He wills. Father, we thank You today for your love for us in Christ, your word that is genius. Genius in how you put chapter 13 between 12 and 14. It's brilliant. It's just the genius of the Holy Spirit's direction. But Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would remember this. One, that we all have a spiritual gift that is supposed to be used for the health and the benefit and the work that you have given to Glad Tidings Church. And secondly, that we need each other in this body. May no one be taken for granted, but appreciated, loved, and respected. And in Christ's name, we ask these mercies.